98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The chief executive defends the decision to strike off a teacher for using pro-independent materials in class and insists that Hong Kong police had nothing to do with the Guangdong Coast Guard's arrest of 12 Hong Kong people in August. And the government says social distancing measures need to stay in place given the number of local cases with no known source. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says it's the first time a teacher has been struck off for professional misconduct after news emerged overnight that a primary school teacher was disqualified for using pro-independent materials in class. The Education Bureau described it as a premeditated act rather than momentary negligence. Speaking before the weekly Exco meeting, Mrs Lam said she didn't know how long the disqualification would last, but it would probably have a bearing on the rest of the teacher's career. She was asked how the government differentiated between academic discussion or advocating independence. We, like many professionals in the education sector, want to promote and develop quality education in Hong Kong. But if there are very tiny faction of teachers who are using uh, their teaching responsibilities to convey uh, wrong messages, to promote uh, misunderstanding about the nation, to smear the country and um, the Hong Kong SAR government without a basis, then that becomes a very serious matter. There were mixed reactions among parents of students at a Kowloon Tong primary school where the teacher was deregistered. A parent says he thinks teachers should be disqualified if they can't teach their students using proper materials, adding that he'll pay more attention to his children's homework and future. But a father whose two sons are studying at the school says he doesn't think there's a problem with the school materials in question. I went through the worksheets last night. I don't think there's any problem with it as there isn't any premise for pro-independence answer. If our kids in Hong Kong are not equipped with critical thinking skills, I'm afraid there will be more education problems in the future. But as a parent, I feel pity and regret for such a good teacher. We feel sad about that. And Mrs Lam also dismissed suggestions that the appointment of a Scottish judge to the Court of Final Appeal was prompted by the recent resignation of Australian judge James Spiegelman. The appointment of Lord Patrick Stuart Hodge was announced yesterday. Mrs Lamb said it took time to appoint non-permanent judges to the top court and it couldn't be done at such short notice after Judge Spiegelman quit. So there's definitely uh, no linkage between the two cases. Um, I should just add that I have said so many times that uh, the design of uh, allowing us to invite overseas judges from other common law jurisdictions to sit on the Court of Final Appeal in the basic law is a very important feature to um, demonstrate and to safeguard judicial independence in Hong Kong. The Australian judge's resignation sparked controversy after he reportedly told Australian media he'd quit for reasons related to the national security legislation. Mrs Lamb also says current social distancing rules will stay in place as it's worrying that seven out of ten local coronavirus cases in the past week had no known source. An infectious disease expert also called for no further easing of measures amid, a, amid signs of a rebound in local infections. Dr Joseph Tsang told an RTHK radio show that it was worrying to see people letting down their guard. He urged the government to step up inspections at high-risk venues such as bars to ensure compliance with anti-epidemic rules.
And the chief executive said Hong Kong police played no role in the high seas arrest off the coast of Guangdong of 12 SAR residents attempting to flee to Hong Kong on the, to, I'm sorry, to Taiwan on the morning of August 23rd. She was responding to a report in the Apple Daily newspaper that flight tracking data shows a government flying services aircraft circling over the group's route at the time. The administration says it knew nothing of their arrest by mainland officers until five days after. Mrs Lam said Hong Kong people should see the truth for themselves rather than labour over what she called misrepresentation and wrong news. The tiny faction of people have not given up any opportunity to smear the Hong Kong government, to attack the police, to fabricate this and that and so on. I would not comment on the actual operational details except to reinforce what the police have said that the police has absolutely no role to play in this particular case. And the detention and the subsequent investigation, and perhaps likely soon, will be the prosecution in accordance with the laws of the People's Republic of China. The United States Consulate General in Hong Kong has voiced its objection to China's new restrictions on meetings between U.S. diplomats and Hong Kong officials. SAR officials and civil servants have reportedly been told by the Foreign Ministry that they can't attend events such as seminars or cocktail receptions hosted by U.S. envoys without prior approval. In a statement, the Consulate General said Beijing's latest restrictions show China's disregard for its own promises to the people of Hong Kong, individual freedoms and diplomatic norms. A bar worker has been killed and three others injured after being attacked by over a dozen customers. Officers believe the attack started after patrons were asked to leave due to anti-epidemic measures requiring bars to shut at midnight. The incident happened at around one o'clock this morning outside the bar on Austin Road. Police said some two dozen people were involved. The victim, a 36-year-old man, died later in hospital. The case has been classified as murder and wounding. The chairman of the Junior Police Officers Association has reprimanded Civic Party lawmaker Dr Kwok Ka Kee for insulting the force. Lam Chi Wai wrote to the Medical Council accusing Dr Kwok of repeatedly slandering the police and inciting hatred. Last Thursday, Dr Kwok posted a photo on social media of a group of police officers saying they'd sold their souls to become slaves of an authoritarian regime. Internationally, President Trump has returned to the White House after leaving hospital where he was being treated for coronavirus. On his return, he removed his mask to pose for pictures. Earlier, he walked unaided down the hospital steps before boarding the presidential helicopter for the short flight. In a video, Mr Trump thanked staff at the Walter Reed Military Hospital and urged people not to be frightened or dominated by the disease. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there, be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Doctor said Mr Trump would remain on antiviral and steroid medication when he returned to medical care in the White House. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has held talks with key Asia-Pacific allies in Tokyo, presenting a united front on the regional challenge posed by China. Mr. Pompeo is meeting his Japanese, Australian and Indian counterparts on a trip that was scaled back following the coronavirus crisis in Washington. He's the first senior U.S. official to visit Japan since Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga took office last month, and he said he was confident Tokyo and Washington were on the same page. A terrorism expert in Britain, Lord Carlyle, says plans to build a Holocaust memorial beside the Houses of Parliament in London would risk creating a trophy site for a potential terrorist attack. Here's the BBC's Harry Farley. 
Ever since David Cameron first suggested a Holocaust Memorial Centre in 2013, the location in Victoria Tower Gardens next to Parliament has been controversial. On top of Lord Carlisle's security concerns, a group of 42 Holocaust experts are also warning the site risks creating what they say would be a celebratory narrative of Britain's response to what happened. They say it would portray the UK as the ultimate saviour of the Jews. But the scheme has many supporters. Last week, the Labour leader Keir Starmer said it was vital in order to educate future generations about the Holocaust. Conservationists working in Kenya's Masai Mara National Park say three lions have died after getting trapped in illegal bushmeat snares. Four hyenas and an eland antelope were also killed. Here's the BBC's Electra Naismith. The Mara Predator Conservation Programme posted grim pictures of the dead lions on their Facebook page alongside images of the noble animals roaming free. An investigation is underway, but it's believed the eland was trapped first, the scent of prey luring the lions and hyenas to the spot. The authorities say more than 50 traps had been set up in a small area. They're now being cleared. Poaching is a serious threat in the Maasai Mara, both for the habitat and the animals, and it's difficult to monitor. At the last count in 2017, there were just 2,000 lions left in Kenya. Finance in a study has revealed that prices for flats under the home ownership scheme have been rising faster than for private units in the secondary market since 2013, when a scheme began to allow qualified home buyers to purchase subsidised units without paying a premium. Researchers from the Open University have derived a new index reflecting price changes in HOS estates, and they found that the prices of second-hand HOS flats have more than doubled since 2013, while the prices of second-hand private flats rose by a half. The university's director of public and social policy research centre, Professor Charles Kwong, spearheaded the study. There are lots of factors. I think one of the factors we have just mentioned, because some people... Before the scheme, they can't buy the HOS, but now they can do that. And therefore, a new demand is created in the market. So they enter the market because the supply at a certain point of time almost remains constant. Therefore, we push up the demand. So that is the reason behind. And state media in North Korea have reported that the country's leader, Kim Jong-un, has ordered a nationwide drive to boost the ailing economy ahead of a key party congress in January. The decision was made during a meeting of the ruling Workers' Party and comes as the pandemic and recent floods have increased pressure on the country's faltering economy. North Korea's ruling party is due to lay out a new economic plan at its January Congress, the first such meeting in five years. Philippine Airlines says it will cut around a third of its workforce by the end of this year as part of an overhaul triggered by crippling coronavirus travel restrictions. It says it's operating less than 15% of its normal number of daily flights and the airline's parent has posted a first-half loss of 20.75 billion pesos or almost 429 million US dollars. Currencies in the US dollar is trading at 105.66 yen. The euro is 1 US dollar and 17 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 6 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,956, 187 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $49 billion. Now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. 
We start with a busy day in football. The transfer window has now closed in the major European leagues. Manchester United's search for a striker ended with the signing of Edison Cavani. The Uruguayan is one of three players picked up by United on deadline day. Here's the BBC's Andy Barwell. English Premier League side Manchester United have signed three players today, just a day after humiliating 6-1 defeat at the hands of Spurs. United have signed the Uruguayan striker Edinson Cavani on a one-year deal with an option to extend for a further 12 months. Brazilian left-back Alex Tellez has moved to Old Trafford from Porto for a reported initial fee of $15 million. United have reached agreement with Atalanta for the future transfer of 18-year-old Ivorian winger Ahmed Diallo. Yeah, Arsenal got in at the last moment to sign Ghana's defensive midfield player Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid. And in return, Lucas Torreira is moving from Arsenal to Atletico. Everton have brought in defender Ben Godfrey from the second-tier championship side Norwich City. The fee there, an initial $32.5 million. Now to tennis at the French Open. There's a potential semi-final meeting between the 12-time champion Rafael Nadal and the recently crowned U.S. Open champion Dominic Thiem. Both are in quarterfinal action today. Team plays Diego Schwartzman. The late match has Nadal up against the Italian teenager Yannick Sinner. Nadal has beaten Team in the last two Roland Garros finals, but the Spaniard says he's not looking beyond his next match. My goal is just to be every day at my 100% and give me a chance to to produce the best result possible. I, I cannot say that uh, being quarterfinals. Uh, I feel less pressure now because I'm, I'm in quarterfinals. I feel probably exactly the same. No, I'm just uh, focused on what I'm doing, on trying to play better every single day. The New York Yankees and the Houston Astros provided the early fireworks in baseball's American League Division Series. Giancarlo Stanton's ninth-inning Grand Slam gave the Yankees an emphatic 9-3 victory over the Tampa Bay Rays. Garrett Cole pitched six innings and struck out eight in the win. Stanton's home run was the second Grand Slam hit by the Yankees this postseason. The Astros have also taken Game 1 of their series against the Oakland A's. Carlos Correa cracked two home runs, and the Astros won 10-5. In the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers have both improved to a perfect four wins out of four to start the season. Patrick Mahomes threw two touchdowns to lead Kansas City to a 26-10 victory over the New England Patriots. The Packers beat the Atlanta Falcons 30-16 thanks to four touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive defends the decision to strike off a teacher for using pro-independence materials in class and insists that Hong Kong police had nothing to do with the Guangdong Coast Guard's arrest of 12 Hong Kong people in August. And the government says social distancing measures need to stay in place. The news from RTHK.
girls cause there's no need to And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the 6th of October, is today's date. Many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. And we do have a jam packed program for you. Just after half past one, we'll be chatting with Radio 3 presenter Karen Ko about quarantine life here in Hong Kong. That's right, uh, Karen is back from the States and we'll be kickstarting uh, the Agenda Cafe later on this month. But first, she must be doing her 14 days uh, quarantine. So we'll be catching up with her, how she's been keeping herself busy, how she's been keeping herself sane. And how to entertain uh, yourself when you are stuck in a room for 14 days. Anyways, we'll be bringing you this uh, chat over the Facebook Live as well. So do join us there. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And uh, after 2 o'clock, we'll, uh, we'll hear from Andrew Dembina as he interviews Sicilian chef Angelo Agliano, who's the director of Michelin-starred Tosca Diaglo uh, restaurant at the Ritz-Carlton here in Hong Kong. And finally...
finally after 2.30. Um, as you know, we've uh, kick-started the Hong Kong's uh, Top Story competition and we're inviting you uh, to join in this competition. And so this afternoon, we'll hear from the previous winners of the competition last year and we'll hear uh, their short story. And first up, we'll be hearing uh, the creator 